Hello, I'm Spencer Levy, Chairman of America's Research and Senior Economic Advisor at CBRE, and this is The Weekly Take, where we share our unique insights on what matters most in commercial real estate and the world at large. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my friends and colleagues, Murray Armstrong, the Managing Director, Singapore, and Greg Highland, Head of Capital Markets for Asia Pacific. What we're here to talk about today is the facts on the ground in Singapore and more broadly in Asia. Greg, how you doing? I know you've got a couple of kids there at home. How's everybody hanging in there? I'm towards the end of week three. Pleased to report that my family still likes me and we're all still talking with each other. So, um, so far, so good. But I suspect we're going to be in this position for at least another four to five weeks. But um, so far, so good. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Greg. And Murray, how are you doing? And uh, how's your extended family as well? Um, surviving and not doing too badly. Uh, it's quite an adjustment, though. We've got four in the family here. Uh, I've got one online schooling in my daughter. I've got one online teaching in my wife. And I've got online working. So we're certainly stretching our Wi-Fi bandwidth. Um, so the missing ingredient was my son, who's uh, currently doing uh, compulsory two years Singapore National Service. And he's deployed to the Civil Defence uh, Medical Corps, uh, so very much at the front line in terms of the response from the government to the COVID crisis. Well, certainly uh, doing a service that's benefiting all of us, not just the folks in Singapore, but here in the United States as well to fight this crisis. And we uh, our hats off to him and all people that are doing the work that he's doing. One of the things that we've been doing here in the States is we've been looking at you in Singapore, we've been looking at our colleagues in China, Hong Kong, Tokyo. Is it fair to say that there's room for optimism that this will end perhaps more quickly than some believe if we look at what's happening in Asia today? Look, it's interesting, um, Spencer. And, and look, I spent some time today on the phone with um, our colleagues in, in China. And I'm pleased to report that our offices are back to 80% capacity. Um, tenant activity is up, properties are being listed for sale. Um, and, and whilst it will take time to get back to full activity and for transactions to be consummated, there is a degree of optimism in China that they have turned the quarter and things are, are getting back to normal. Murray, do you have the same level of optimism? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly in North Asia, uh, both in China and um, Hong Kong, um, similar to Greg, I was speaking to a banking client today and uh, he um, brought me up to speed that they had had three consecutive days in Hong Kong with just a single case, isolated cases. Um, so I think that's uh, really encouraging and it does show that the measures are starting to bear fruit. I believe uh, overall China about is operating at about 90% of its normal capacity. Uh, power consumption has bounced back and as another metric, I, uh, I learned that uh, there was a, a really strong rebound in venture capital uh, um, inflows, which had virtually dried up 60 days ago. So some, some grounds for optimism. I want to go into which industries are, do you think are going to be most resilient through the crisis and after it, uh, banking, technology or otherwise, and any changes you might see from those industries uh, because of the crisis? We're very busy with um, tech and big tech. Um, we're the beneficiaries here in Singapore that many of the big uh, tech firms are headquartered in, in our city. Um, and they, they seem to be riding through this uh, storm rather well. In fact, they're um, seeing opportunities uh, to, to, to grow their business. So 
Um, it's fair to say, I think that's a, uh, that's a sector that has real resilience. Um, most sectors in fairness and uh, banking is no exception are still uh, struggling to come to terms with the, the, the reality that revenues are gonna be severely compromised. Um, they don't have access to sites. Uh, many of them are being held back in terms of doing renovation works. So there's some real practical challenges they're all trying to manage through. Um, they're also looking, I think, in the longer term, at perhaps at the, the way they lay out their portfolios and the particularly densification uh, will become a, a, a real issue of uh, concern, I think, in terms of uh, the way some of the banks have strived for, for massive efficiency gains. Well, speaking of efficiency, one of the questions that we get a lot here in the United States is the future of co-working and our clients that use that space. Um, Murray, any, any comment on, on that? I think as events were unfolding and corporates were looking at business continuity planning, or BCP, uh, many of them looked at the opportunity to take agile solutions with co-working as a, as a sensible way of splitting teams and uh, mitigating against risk of uh, concentration. Um, that said, as the uh, crisis moved on to the next phase and work from home became a, a modus operandi for most corporates, um, those agile contracts are one of the easiest to exit. And we, we have seen some pressure, I think, in that sector, as many corporates have taken the opportunity of reducing their cost instantaneously by exiting some of those uh, agile contractual arrangements. Does that change your point of view on the future of co-working? No, I think co-working is here to stay and I think it's highly relevant. Um, I think it will um, form a very um, important part of uh, core and flex strategies for some big occupiers, um, which will allow them a little bit of that flexibility uh, whereby they can enter into those short-term arrangements uh, to accommodate growth or contraction. I, I think, Spencer, to add on to that and what, what investors are telling us, that there's, there's a concern at the moment around um, some operators' ability to continue with their, their rental obligations. I think everyone agrees, uh, and I agree with Moray's comment, that Agile space is here to stay. How the model is delivered and whether it's more landlord-led, whether it's operator-led, I think that's where we will see some form of, of innovation and changes in, in this space. So Greg, let's turn now, uh, the same question I gave to Murray on the occupier side, I'd like to talk to you about that on the investor side. What are investors saying today, uh, not only in Singapore, but in Japan and Taiwan, about when they're gonna feel comfortable getting back into the game and investing? What's gonna take? Um, I, I think increasingly, um, investors do see that there will be some opportunities that will evolve. Um, because it's happened so quickly, um, there is a concern around where rent levels are going to be through this crisis period and what the impacts on the market are going to be post-crisis in terms of growth figures and, and absolute market rent levels. And until they get a bit of clarity around that, I think that they're, they're going to be cautious for, for the next short period of time. Um, you know, and generally, and broadly speaking, across most of our markets in Asia-Pacific, we've seen a significant reduction in buyer activity, genuine buyer activity, should I say. Um, notwithstanding the terrible crisis that we're in at the moment, what do you think the future is a year from now in terms of Asian capital flows to the United States? Look, we remain optimistic that Asian capital will continue to look at the United States as one of the sort of premier investment locations globally. 
Um, I, I think they will want some clarity around the depth of the recession that we're going to go through, um, where cash flows are going to, to, to end up. But, you know, the United States has, has always been a very resilient place and a highly attractive location for Asian capital to place money. We don't see that changing. And in fact, you know, we would expect that that would uh, come back strongly once we get uh, back towards normalization. What are some of the things that are happening in Singapore and elsewhere that you think are working uh, that we might be able to learn from here in the United States? Um, it's a little bit early to see um, us moving from what we've called the circuit breaker, which is our version of uh, essential de facto lockdown. Um, uh, my sense is we probably have another uh, four to six weeks um, before we can look forward to potentially a, a little bit of a release. North Asia seems further uh, um, ahead in the curve, and there's certainly some very encouraging signs in China, um, Taiwan, Korea, and I think Hong Kong looks as if it is emerging faster as well. So, um, you know, I think we can look forward to that. But here in Singapore, we've got a, a little bit of a holding pattern until the cases really are more contained. Let's talk a little bit about what we might see in office buildings, restaurants, or other places of business. Because I know Singapore, prior to its most recent lockdown or re-lockdown, had taken some steps in office buildings to make them safer. Murray, what were some of those steps? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we, we've been testing temperatures for since February. Um, so thermal screening uh, as people arrive at their uh, place of employment. Um, most of our buildings are equipped with um, uh, um, no-touch uh, access uh, into lifts through turnstiles that are uh, linked. Um, so we already had quite a nice layer of uh, protection in terms of surface contact. Um, I, I think densification really will be one of the key issues for review uh, once the dust settles on this crisis. Here in Asia, we have very expensive real estate uh, in most of the key markets. And as a consequence of that, most uh, large occupiers have um, been driven towards uh, densification and maximum efficient use of space. And it's created very high populations across floor plates. Uh, there may need to be a reevaluation of that uh, trend. So we've been proven not to be as resilient as we thought in terms of supply chains, in terms of office space, in terms of uh, technology working from home. And I think that resilience change may bode for more office space. It may bode for more industrial space. Do you agree with that, Greg? Yeah, look, we're starting to hear, particularly in the logistics space, um, supply chains were really built over efficiency or around efficiency, should I say, and just-in-time delivery. Um, that model has found to be wanting um, in these periods of, of crisis. And there's an increasing, I suppose, discussion around um, increasing amounts of supply being held in warehousing to cover these types of, of potential uh, issues. So, so I think from an industrial perspective or logistics perspective, the demand for warehousing space should increase on the back of, of, um, of this pandemic. Um, office, we are hearing... Um, some occupiers and some investors are talking about tenants potentially looking at increasing uh, space ratios um, for employees. Uh, it's probably too early to tell where that may get to, 
but the discussion is definitely on the table at the moment. Um, how that will play out, I think, you know, it needs a bit more time. Well, given how expensive Singapore real estate is relative to most real estate uh, in the United States, it'd probably be most similar to real estate in San Francisco or New York. Uh, you're seeing a lot of multi-story industrial there. You don't see that much here in the States, but you think you'll see more of that? Absolutely. Um, and I think particularly as you're looking, as you get in, in penetrations for e-commerce increase, um, they'll want uh, more warehousing facilities closer to resident populations, which in, in dense cities like Asia, we, we've had multi-storey warehousing. And in Hong Kong, there's warehouses that are more than 20 levels high, uh, ramp up truck facilities. Um, I think you'll, you'll see that, um, particularly in major urban locations in, in the United States. One of the things, um, if we're gonna look a little bit further out into the lens, Murray, is not just what's happening today in terms of the thermal checks, in terms of other things to keep people well today, but what are gonna be people, keep people well tomorrow? Do we think we're gonna see changes like that happening in the long term for office buildings? I, I certainly do. I, I believe there will be uh, doubling down on the importance attached to wellness and wellness certification. Um, we're quite advanced here in Asia across sustainability, um, you know, be it LEED, uh, BREAM or um, some local codes such as Greenmark here in Singapore. Um, so most of the developers are obliged to, to build um, sustainable bu buildings. Um, wellness was starting to gain traction um, before we went into the, the current uh, crisis. And, uh, my, my inclination is when we emerge out of this, uh, there will be a really strong focus. And I think um, buildings that do have um, uh, good wellness uh, capability, I think will be um, trading at a premium. So uh, gentlemen, let's wrap this up the right way. The day that the doors are open again, what is the first restaurant retail store you're going to attend? And can I come with you, Greg? Absolutely, Spencer. More than welcome to come. I'm going straight to Luke's. I'm ordering an enormous steak, a bottle of red wine, and possibly two, and then I'm going to pass the bill to Moray. Moray, are you coming? Um, I'm not just coming. I'll have booked out the uh, restaurant because I can't wait. Uh, I'm, I'm like a caged uh, animal at the moment, so I can't wait to get back. I'm very happy to pick up uh, a fairly modest tab, Greg. And Spencer, you're welcome. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll find a way somewhere in the budget to make it to Singapore to make that meal. Well, on behalf of The Weekly Take, thank you to my friends Murray Armstrong and Greg Hyland for doing a terrific job today uh, in Singapore, giving us some facts on the ground, what we might learn here in the United States from their experience. And first and foremost, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, but thank you very much for your partnership in getting through this global crisis. For more information about what we spoke about today, as well as insights about how this week's latest developments are impacting the commercial real estate industry, go to cbre.com backslash the weekly take. Until next week, I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well. <laughs>